Our text today is Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Exodus 6, 1 through 13. <clears throat> so, hear the word of the Lord. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. People of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, we, we thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you for the story that you've given us the setting in which you have placed our lives. Father, we thank you for uh, this text today. We pray that you would enlighten us, that you would teach us about um, despair and sovereignty um, and uh, how we might live in this world as we both see your deliverance and wait for your deliverance. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> So a quick review, because we have been away for some time. Uh, how many chapters are in the book of Genesis? 50. 50. How many in the book of Exodus? 40, right? 50? 40. <clears throat> um, so uh, Exodus is divided in half, roughly. Uh, half of it is dedicated to what? And the other half is dedicated to what? Half of it goes to the Exodus, and then the what? The, the law, the giving of the law, the, the covenant, right? Um, so you got about, about roughly 19 or 20 chapters uh, of the Exodus. Uh, by chapter 20, they are out of Egypt. Uh, and then at Sinai, everything, you know, that begins at chapter 19, I believe. <clears throat> um, so, half and half. How long does Moses live? 
120. 40, 40, 40, right? His, his life is conveniently divided into 40 years where? First, or Egypt. 40 years after that, Midian. And then 40 years in the Exodus. Okay, so 40, 40, 40. He was raised an Egyptian, um, an ideal deliverer. Uh, everything about his life set him up to be an ideal deliverer. He tries, in fact, to deliver his people from Egypt, uh, and he's rejected by his people, right? Are you going to kill me like you killed the Egyptian? And somebody actually turns Moses in, you know? They, um, he, Moses has to flee for his life because the Egyptians find out about this. <clears throat> so his people reject him, um, and so he flees from Egypt, goes to Midian. He starts a new life there. He really begins to sort of put his old life behind him. He's no longer the deliverer. He spends 40 years in Midian. Uh, he takes a Midianite wife, Zipporah, and they have two sons. Uh, we even see uh, from the early chapters here <clears throat> that uh, Moses seems to have uh, neglected to circumcise at least his second son, uh, Eliezer, and uh, he's, he's just has gotten some distance from covenant faithfulness. Um, the Midianites were related to the, uh, to the Hebrews. Uh, they are descendants of Abraham, uh, but they are not descendants of um, Isaac or Jacob. <clears throat> and they had lost uh, a lot of covenant faithfulness as well. Uh, there was, so he's 80 years old when he faces the burning bush. 80-year-old man facing the burning bush. Um, as a shepherd, he's been 40 years uh, uh, in another land. That life as a deliverer is, he thinks, well behind him. And God says, take off your sandals because you're standing on holy ground. I've got a mission for you. <clears throat> Moses argues with God. He doesn't want the job. He finally submits and he takes his family and the staff of God um, to Egypt. Uh, on the way, God tries to kill him. Strange turn of events. I want you to go deliver my people. Oh, wait, I'm going to kill you. Um, <clears throat> and he, he basically is because he failed to circumcise his son, uh, which Zipporah catches on to, and she says, look, this is what you got to do. <clears throat> uh, she takes care of it, and, uh, and she says, you're a bridegroom of blood to me. <clears throat> um, so you might guess that there's maybe a little bit of tension in, in that situation. We're not really sure, but... Um, so, okay, so, but they're all going back to Egypt. <clears throat> Moses shows the signs to Israel and they worship. Everybody's excited. Hey, these are the signs. God spoke to you. We're going to be set free. We're going to be delivered. And they worship and they celebrate. Moses speaks to Pharaoh and now the Hebrews have to make bricks without straw. Right? It's like, yeah, thanks Moses. <clears throat> um, the Israelites complain against Moses. You have made things worse. You've put a sword in their hand to kill us. Moses is, remember, he's 80 years old. He just brought his family from Midian to Egypt by the direction of God to deliver his people. He went and told Pharaoh, not exactly what he should have said, but close. Um, <clears throat> and things didn't go right. Things turned out poorly. Um, everyone is upset with him. Everyone's mad at him. <clears throat> and so uh, at the end of chapter five, Moses says, Adonai, Lord, your highness, so to speak, that's 
the way to handle the word Adonai. Your Highness, King, uh, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. And you have not delivered your people at all. So this is where we stand um, uh, as we enter into chapter 6. What stands out to me most about our text today is Israel's broken spirit, which Moses seems to channel here. Why did you send me at all? Um, Why are you doing evil to this people? You have not delivered them at all. Uh, The text says, they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit. Um, And I'm just reminded of a song by Andrew Peterson, a song called No More Faith. You familiar with it? Um, It's a good song. But I just want to, I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. Uh, But he says, this is, the the song goes, this is not another song about the mountains, except about how hard they are to move. Have you ever stood before them like a mustard seed that's waiting for some proof? I say faith is a burden. It's a weight to bear. It's brave and bittersweet. And hope is hard to hold to. Lord, I believe, only help my unbelief till there's no more faith and no more hope. I'll see your face and Lord, I'll know that only love remains. Have you ever heard that Jesus is the answer or thought about the many doubts you hide? Have you wondered how he loves you if he really knows how dark you are inside? I say faith is a burden It's a weight to bear. It's brave and bittersweet. And hope is hard to hold to. Lord, help. Uh, Lord, I believe, only help my unbelief till there's no more faith and no more hope. I see your face and Lord, I'll know. There's no more faith. There's no more hope. I'll sing your praise and let them go. I'll let hope, faith and hope go. Because only love and only your love remains. All right, so that's a good song. It's a good song because uh, often faith and hope are held in high esteem, as they should be. But they're not what's going to last, right? Because one day, we won't need faith. One day, we won't need hope because it will have arrived, right? It will completely be here. But, so in this sense, we stand with our fathers, in the Exodus, waiting for deliverance, in a sense. And, and that can come in, in, all, in all kinds of uh, forms. Hope is a burden. Faith can be hard. One day they will both be gone. Um, and only love will remain. Um, another scripture passage uh, confirms this. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, Hope deferred, you may have heard this before, makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. A desire fulfilled is a tree of life. So let's take a look at our text today. There are 13 verses that we're looking at. Uh, We'll take a look at the text, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about uh, the title of the message today, which is Despair and Sovereignty, both of which you'll find in the text. 
All right, so uh, in verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, the Lord said to Moses, um, right away we need to understand this is God's response. We need to link chapter 6 to chapter 5. Um, this is God's response. Remember, Moses was complaining to God. Like, why did you send me? You just made things worse. Uh, you're not delivering your people at all. Uh, I really wish you wouldn't have sent me here at all. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be doing this. But the Lord said to Moses, okay, so this is, this is the response. And he says, now you will see, not now you will continue to hope. Now you will continue to have faith. Now you will see. Okay, it's getting started now, Moses, right? Sometimes we need to be reminded of this. Sometimes things get harder before they get better, okay? And uh, so there is a time for faith and a time for hope, and there is a time to see as well, because it will happen. It gets harder before it gets better. He says, and this is interesting, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. And then what follows is, for with a strong hand, he will send them out, and with a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. <clears throat> We're going to talk about this later. This is the sovereignty aspect. Um, you're going to see uh, what I will do to Pharaoh, and uh, what, how's it going to look? It, he's going to do something. You're going to see what I'm going to do, and Pharaoh's going to do it. Okay? Pharaoh is going to do what I make him do. Uh, in verses 2 and 3, uh, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. And remember, when you see uh, Lord in all capitals there in your English translations, what, what Hebrew word is that? Yahweh. Yahweh. Uh, that is his name. So in a sense, when you read this, <clears throat> God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am Yahweh. All right, um, so it, it would be kind of like you know if, if I don't know if Nathaniel said, "Hey, look, I'm Nathaniel." Okay, what does that mean? Right, that's my name. <laughs> I am Yahweh. He says. Um, in fact, he says that three times in our text here. Um, here it is to distinguish this new phase in the covenant. He says they knew me that is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and throughout the book of Genesis, they knew me as God Almighty. That is El Shaddai in Hebrew, El Shaddai. <clears throat> uh, remember, El is a word for God, right? It is a generally uh, Semitic and um, Eastern word for God. So there were many Ls. There were many Ls out there. You can look through uh, Near Eastern uh, archaeology and find probably hundreds of the Ls. Um, Baal, uh, Baal, Baal, uh, that is, there were many Baals. All right? So there's, there's all kinds of, there's a lot, when you start diving into all the, the uses of this, uh, this word L, there's a whole bunch of them. There's lots of Ls back then. And he says to Moses, I, I revealed myself to them as El Shaddai, God Almighty, sort of like, the highest of the gods when he spoke to Abraham. So when, he, when God spoke to Abraham, he didn't reveal himself as Yahweh. He said, 
I am God Almighty. I am the highest of the L's. Um, <clears throat> he says, so I want you to know, Moses, we're entering a new phase here. I am Yahweh. You are Moses, okay? Yahweh, Moses. Yahweh, Moses. <clears throat> um, so this first use of the word uh, is when he says, I am the Lord. He's just, he's distinguishing this new phase of the covenant. They knew me as El Shaddai. Same God, I am El Shaddai, but um, my name is Yahweh. There's something, something changes when somebody reveals to you their name, doesn't it? Especially if you manage to remember it. Yeah. If you know a person by name, there's something there. There's some kind of connection going on, even if it's, you know, it's just barely personal, but at least you know their name. Um, it's important to know people's names. <clears throat> Lord, all capital letters, in, when you read it in Genesis, is simply Moses using the name that God gave him. Remember, Moses wrote Genesis, right? All the stuff in Genesis happened before Moses was born. So when you see the word Lord, and, and, you, and it does appear in Genesis, all capital letters, and the word Yahweh appears there, it's because Moses is writing Genesis, right? And so he's saying, uh, Yahweh did this and Yahweh did that, even though they knew him as El Shaddai. Uh, in verse four, God reminds Moses of his covenant with them to give them the land. Take a look at verse four, if you would. Uh, he says, I also established my covenant with them, them being Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. And here we might reflect back to Genesis chapter 15, where he says, your, Abraham, your descendants are going to be um, sojourners in this land for, uh, well, they're going to 400 years. You know, they're, and they're going to be uh, slaves, um, and then I'll come and deliver them. Okay, so it's going to be 400 years. Um, so God's just kind of reestablishing re the connection. Okay, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I made a covenant with them. I remember that covenant, okay? I'm Yahweh. They knew me as El Shaddai. Uh, I promised them by covenant to give them this land. And in verse five, he says, I have heard Israel's groaning, and I remember my covenant. Um, can he hear Israel's groaning if Israel doesn't groan? There isn't any, right? If Israel doesn't groan, then there is no groaning. <clears throat> I want to suggest to you that sometimes God is waiting to hear our groaning. Okay, there's, there's training going on here. All right, verses six through eight are actually uh, a little a miniature covenant, sort of a thumbnail of God's covenant. So if you look at, uh, take a look at verse six, starting in verse six, and then um, all the way through eight. Um, Right at the beginning of verse six, um, he tells Moses, say therefore to the people of Israel. Okay, so I, I remember my covenant. Um, so here's what I want you to do, Moses. Here's the covenant. Say this to the people of Israel. And he starts with, I am the Lord. I am Yahweh. Okay, so he wants to introduce himself to Israel, right? And not, I'm not El Shaddai. I mean, I am El Shaddai. But El Shaddai is Yahweh. His name is Yahweh. Um, and 
But verse 8 ends with the same thing. <clears throat> Let me, I'm just going to read 6 through 8 for you. I want you to kind of try to take it in as a covenant because it begins and ends with the same thing. I am Yahweh. <clears throat> I am Yahweh. And I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will deliver you from slavery to them. And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord. I am Yahweh, your El. I am Yahweh, your God, who brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Okay, so the little book ends. I am Yahweh. I am Yahweh. Uh, in between, so the, the covenant goes like this. I am Yahweh. I will bring you out. I will deliver you from slavery. I will redeem you. I will take you to be my people. I will be your God. You will know that I am your God, that I have done these things. I will bring you into the land. I am Yahweh. All right? That's, this is what God tells Moses to deliver to Israel, to the people of Israel. Okay? It's, a, it's the covenant in a, a thumbnail, basically. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> so let's take a, verse, a look at verse 9. In verse 9, God instructed Moses to deliver this message to Israel. Well, he did instruct him. In verse 9, um, the response. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. They didn't listen. God delivered them this covenant, and they didn't listen. <clears throat> Why? Because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. To most of the Israelites, there was no room in their lives for hope anymore. They had no room in their lives for hope. Try to put yourself in the position of these folks who didn't have distractions like uh, social media uh, or internet or television or really even books. <laughs> um, they had some people who could play some musical instruments. Um, there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of distraction in their lives. Um, and they had lots and lots of work. Lots of hard work. <clears throat> the land was hopelessly lost to pagans. Right? Israel, at one time, under Joseph, remember? Uh, in in the, uh, the time of, who were those people again? Um, the Hyksos. Whew, glad I could recall that. The Hyksos. Um, they were, the, the Israelites had a high standing. They were, um, they were well esteemed in Egypt. But then there arose a king in Egypt that did not know Joseph. And things began to go bad. <clears throat> um, now, uh, 200 or so years later, um, the land is hopelessly lost to pagans. So what was a rich and somewhat righteous land, um, because of the influence of God's people, uh, had now become hopelessly lost to pagans. Does that sound like a familiar theme? What once was a somewhat righteous land because of God's people is now hopelessly lost to pagans or feels that way. 
There was no righteousness in the land. Their children were either killed or weighed down with the same slavery that they experienced. Life was nothing but work, work, work. Not work for any good purpose or work for their own good. Just work. Israel was depressed and living in despair. Their spirit was broken. More about this in a minute. In verse 10... Okay, so Moses delivers the message and the the people didn't listen because uh, of their broken spirit and their harsh slavery. So what does the Lord do? The Lord moved on to do what he said he was going to do. Does God stop carrying out his plans because we will not listen? Nope. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't stop carrying out his plans because we will not listen or because we doubt or because we get depressed. Nope. Nope. He doesn't stop. He says, he tells Moses, go and do what I said to do. All right? I told you what's going to happen. It's going to happen. Get up and go do it. Go in, in verse 11, he says, go in and tell Pharaoh to let Israel go. Don't ask him. Don't tell him we're going to go out and have a picnic. Tell him to let my people go. Not temporarily, permanently. Well, you can see how Moses receives this. (laughs) Didn't I just try this, God? Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. Your people have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. Um. What would God have done if Moses refused to go in and speak? He said, go in and speak to Pharaoh. What if Moses said, ah, I just can't do it. I'm not, I'm not doing it. <clears throat> Could Moses have refused? Could Jesus have refused to go to the cross? In one sense, the answer is yes. In another, No. God is the author of the story, beginning to end. If Moses refused, it could only be because God determined that he would. But that is not what happened, right? Moses did not refuse. Moses did what he was told, even though he wasn't comfortable with it, even though his spirit was mostly broken as well. He did what he was told. We do not know what God has determined for sure until it happens. And when it happens, we know what he determined, right? When it happens, we know. When Moses, uh, Moses went in, he knew, yep, looks like I'm going to obey. Looks like I obeyed. <laughs> um, God decreed that Moses would obey and that Pharaoh would not. We've already uh, seen some hints about this. Uh, God said, Pharaoh's not going to listen. Pharaoh's not going to obey. That's not, I'm not like just guessing. <laughs> God's like, he's not. I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now. He's not. That's, that's part of the story. He's not going to listen. <clears throat> um, it's, it's not only Pharaoh's heart being controlled here, right? Moses' heart is being controlled too. Okay? God is sovereign over everything. Okay? We're in the story. Moses is in the story. The, the, the broken spirit is very real 
It feels very real, okay? Uh, but who's in control? God is in control. <clears throat> I love this uh, quote from Tolkien in the Silmarillion. I'm just going to have to read it for you. Um, Melkor is the Satan-like figure in, um, in Tolkien's Silmarillion. Uh, he's the bad guy. He's the guy who tries to mess up creation and everything. <clears throat> and so at the beginning, he's just doing all kind, everything he can do to mess everything up and take control of it for himself. <clears throat> and uh, uh, Iru, uh, he stops everything. God stops everything. And there's a contest of musics and things, and it all stops. <clears throat> And he says, now you're going to see, I'm going to let you all see what you, what you sung. And he says, you, Melkor, shalt see that no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in me. Nor can any alter the music in my despite. For he that attempteth this shall prove but mine instrument in, devising, in the devising of things more wonderful, which he himself helped, he himself hath not imagined. You shall see that no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in me, nor can any alter the music in my despite. For he that attempteth this shall prove but mine instrument in devising of things more wonderful, which he himself hath not imagined. That, I suggest to you, is the sovereignty of God in a nutshell, uh, in, a, in a very attractive nutshell too, I, I like it. Um, <clears throat> he says it well, uh, no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in God. <clears throat> so, Moses uh, goes and does what God said. The people of Israel, <clears throat> he says, your own people didn't listen to me. How will Pharaoh, who doesn't know you, listen to me? And then he says this strange phrase, I have uncircumcised lips. Yeah, it's kind of a strange thought. <clears throat> um, he's probably referring back to what he says in Exodus 4.10, uh, where one of his excuses to, when, when God says, I'm going to take you, you need to go back to Egypt and get Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses says, ah, no, no, no. I'm not eloquent. Right? I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech and of tongue. That's what he says to God at first. When, when, at the burning bush, he says, I, I, can't, I, 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 I can't speak. <laughs> um, he, he may be referring to that. And uh, also, uh, another, this is, I got this from another commentator, but it's, it seems very interesting. Exodus chapter 4, 24 through 26, this is where um, God tries to kill Moses um, because he uh, failed to circumcise his son. That, that section, chapter 4, verses 24 through 26, describes for us um, something of a, a failure, a covenant failure of Moses. Moses was not covenantally faithful. So he may be saying here, when he says, I am of uncircumcised lips, not only that he's not, he's not such a good speaker, but also that he might be spiritually unfit to do this, this job. Um, not only am I slow of speech and tongue, um, I'm also spiritually unfit. Remember, you just tried to kill me just a little while ago. We were on the way here, remember that? <laughs> My wife had to save me. Um, 
And then also, uh, this kind of resonates with a passage from Isaiah, which for some reason, oh, 6.5, Isaiah 6.5. Isaiah says, Woe is me when he sees a vision of the Lord, for I am lost. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Uh, This is from Isaiah. Uh, So this may be the same kind of idea. Uh, Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips. Moses says, I have uncircumcised lips. Um, I, I I don't speak well, and I'm not a good covenant person. Can't you find some super Christian? Right? Find some super Christian who can really do this stuff well. Uh, It's not me. Um, So, Moses seems to be saying, in effect, I'm not a good speaker and I'm no better than my brothers. I too have a broken spirit. Um, Verse 13. So what does God say here? Verse 13. This is the, the last verse. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. That's where our reading ends today. God gave Moses and Aaron a charge. Charge is a responsibility. Remember at the end of our service we say, the charge is this. You get a charge. Um, You get a mission, a responsibility, a job. Not not that I give it to you, but that I proclaim to you what the scriptures say. This is your your mission, your job. Um, But... Uh, and, and here, really, I mean, we don't get God's response, right? <clears throat> Moses, in verse 12, Moses just said, How, you know, your people, your people wouldn't listen to me. How's Pharaoh going to do it? And by the way, I don't speak very well, and, and I'm kind of like, I'm broke like these guys are, you know? I'm, I'm just, I can't do it. <clears throat> um, and God doesn't really respond. We don't get God's response here, um, Moses just writes for us here, verse 13, it's not God speaking. He says, but Yahweh spoke to Moses and Aaron, gave them a charge about the people of Israel uh, and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people out of it. So Moses kind of concludes this little section by just saying, I told the Lord I couldn't do it, but well, he gave me a job, so what else could I do? I had to go do my job. <clears throat> it's a good attitude, right? It's a good attitude. I, I don't want to do it, but um, I, I got to do it. Um, it's better, of course, if you do want to do it. Uh, the, the mission is bring Israel out, right? And by the way, this is really the mission of uh, sort of all um, Christian leadership, all, all leadership in the people of God. In fact, all, all of the people of God, just bring Israel out, out from among the world, but out in front of the world as well, if that makes sense. Out from among the world, but out in front of the world um, because you can't lead from behind and you can't lead while you're hiding in the crowd, right? Uh, And one of the things that God has called us to is to lead, is to lead. Okay, so uh, a bit then about broken spirits and uh, sovereignty. All right, so, so why are their spirits broken? Well, the promise is 400 years old, right? At this point, when Moses is speaking to them, the promise is 400 years old from Genesis 15, 13. Is anyone even paying attention to this anymore? Right? That's old stuff. What do you know from 400 years ago? 
right? You, you get the feeling there? That was 400 years ago. God said to some of the guys a long time ago, yeah, we're, we're supposed, yeah, I think we're related to them. Um, but, okay, in fact, we are. We know we're related to them. Um, we, have a, we have kind of a, a thriving history about this. The, the old folks are, they keep these long scrolls and they got names of people. <clears throat> but still, that was a long time ago. That's, what's that have to do with us now? Slaves they've been for over 200 years. So the promise was 400 years ago. And for close to, or maybe even over 200 years, they have been slaves in Egypt. Um, They lost their great standing. So even the glory years of Israel's life in Egypt, when Joseph was second to Pharaoh, he was like Pharaoh in the land. And uh, the um, the other, his brothers, they were also lords in the land. They had high positions. They were highly regarded. Um, They had a high position in the land. But that was a long time ago. Even that is over 200 years in the past, right? Um, That was then. What's going on now? Babies are being killed. Well, there's another point of contact. Babies are being killed. And Moses is 80 years old, so it's been going on for 80 years. Uh, in America today, we're almost at 2020, so what was it, about 75 or 73, the abortion thing just became legalized. So, I mean, we're, let's say it's 25 and 20, so 45 years, okay? This has been going on for 80 years uh, in Egypt. Uh, Things are just bad. Um, This has been, and God has allowed it, Right? This is, these are the grievances they have against God. God, what? 400 years ago, you made some kind of promise. Yeah, and then 200 years ago, we became slaves. Things have been really bad. Uh, and then they're killing babies, and they've been doing that for a while. Now we have forced labor. Right? We ha- all we have is work, God. Work, work, work. Moses tried to deliver us, and he just messed things up. He just made it worse. There is no getting over Pharaoh. We can't get past him. We can't pull one over on him. Pharaoh is going to crush us. <clears throat> That's where they are. Making bricks without straw. Sometimes we don't listen to God because our spirit is broken. What does a broken spirit look like? The word apathy comes to mind. You've heard that word before, I imagine. Apathy. Um, comes from uh, two Greek parts, uh, a pathos. When someone has pathos, they have feeling. But a pathos is like atheism, right? Atheism, no God. So a pathos, no feeling, right? So someone's apathetic, they have no feeling. Um, Words that might uh, resonate with this, numb. I'm, I'm just numb. I'm empty, dark. Sad, depressed, hopeless, despair. Soren Kierkegaard, the uh, Dutch philosopher, he says the most common form of despair is not being who you are. It's interesting. Most common form of despair is not being who you are. Um, Anonymous said, (laughs) despair is anger with no place to go. 
pretty good. I think that nails it. Despair is anger with no place to go. Jean-Paul Sartre, or Sartre, um, was a famous atheist. He said, despair is the only genuine atheism. Think that, think that over for a moment. Despair is the only genuine atheism. There were other people around Jean-Paul Sartre claiming to be atheists, but they were sort of optimistic atheists. Like, yeah, we don't need God. Life is great. It's wonderful. There's no God. Kind of like John Lennon. Imagine there's no God. Right? Um, imagine there's none of this other stuff. Um, and Jean-Paul Sartre said, well, the only true atheism is despair. If you're really an atheist, you'll just be in despair because there's nothing. None. There's just nothing but all this junk. This, he wrote another thing, a book called Nausea, where he describes a, a guy that's just like, totally, he gets sick because of all this stupid stuff that doesn't mean anything. Uh, it's interesting. Um, but, good quote, despair is the only human, the only genuine atheism. But this one is my favorite, by Marilla Cuthbert. Anyone know Marilla Cuthbert? To despair is to turn your back on God. I love it. She's a fictional character, but it's really cool. <clears throat> um, actually, that was uh, Montgomery, right? What's her? Uh, somebody Montgomery. L. Anyway, a good writer. <clears throat> um, to despair is to turn your back on God. And I think that sort of connects with John Paul Sartre. Uh, despair is the only genuine atheism. <clears throat> The people of Israel turned their backs on God. They despaired. That is really, I believe, what it means to despair. You're just like, I'm, I'm done with you, God. Or at least, you're, if I don't hate you, you're at least irrelevant. Right? You, you don't matter. What, what you're saying doesn't matter because nothing's changed. <clears throat> so to despair is to turn your back on God. The people of Israel turned their backs on God and they despaired. All they could see was their pointless work. Harsh slavery. We don't want to be like that. We don't want to be that kind of people. We, we don't want to despair. Um, and we don't have to despair. Um, Psalm 27, 13 and 14. The psalmist says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I believe I shall look upon. The goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Verse 14 says, wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. <clears throat> That's hard. It's hard to do. Sovereignty is the answer to despair. And that's in our text today. <clears throat> Here's the problem. 
Moses lays it out in Exodus chapter 5, 22 and 23. Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? Since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. You have not delivered your people at all. Moses blames God for what Pharaoh is doing. Is that fair? Can he do that? Blame God for what Pharaoh is doing? God's sovereign. God knows this. God knows this. The solution, however, is also in the text. Exodus 6.1, the Lord said to Moses, now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. There is a time. There is a time. Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. With a strong hand, he will send them out. With a strong hand, he will drive them out of his land. God takes credit and responsibility for what Pharaoh will do. Right? He says, now you'll see what I will do. What I'm going to do is what Pharaoh is going to do. Because Pharaoh is going to do what I make him do. Do you get that? Pharaoh's going to do what I make him do. You will see. He will send them out. But as we know, and we know the story, there's some process to this, right? Because Pharaoh's not going to listen the first time, or the second time, or the third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth time. Eventually, Pharaoh will learn. God takes credit and responsibility for what Pharaoh will do. God is responsible for both the problem and the solution. God is responsible for both the problem and the solution. Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? Amos asks. Amos chapter 3, verse 6. Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? So, whatever your disaster, whatever your despair, hear the word of the Lord. I am Yahweh. I will bring you out. I will deliver you. I will redeem you. (laughs) 
I will make you my people. I will be your God. And you will know that I am your God. That I have done these things. I will bring you into the land. I am Yahweh. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You are Yahweh. Things don't always go the way we want them to. We have struggles, we have pains, we have difficulties, we have limitations. We confess, Lord, and we know that these these are from your hand, our difficulties, our limitations, our trials, our weaknesses. You are sovereign. You are Yahweh. We know that you will deliver us, Lord. You will make us your people. You will bring us into the land. So we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Blessed be the living and active word of God. Amen.